You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Together, we aim to empower, educate, and encourage women to talk about our money. You can find more at fidelity.com slash it's time. Her Money is brought to you by PRX. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Her Money. So I had an extra cup of coffee this morning. And the reason I had an extra cup of coffee this morning is because I want to be able to keep up with my guest. I've had a lot of high energy people on this show, but I don't know if I've ever had one on who has as much energy as Tiffany Alicia. You may know her as the budget Nista. She's got a wonderful challenge to help people get their financial acts together in the new year, which is why we thought, let's bring her to you today. And Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jean. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. You and I met at FinCon. We hadn't met before. And I got to say, if anybody could convert hundreds of thousands of women to budgeting to this idea that, yes, you can do this, it it would have to be you because you've got boundless enthusiasm. So <laughs> thank you. My dad would just call it crazy when I was a kid. But now it's working out for me. Now it's all good. Tell me. How did you come to this? I mean, how did you decide you were going to be the budget nista? Honestly, I feel like it was decided for me. I grew up in a household with four sisters, so my dad and mom had five girls, and my dad was a CFO and an accountant, and he had his degrees, his master's degree in economics and bachelor's degree in finance. And between he and my mom, they taught us about money all the time. It was just normal conversation in our household. And... It just was something that I started to share with my friends because I thought it was normal, especially in college when I saw my friends fall victim to credit cards and debt collectors. And so I started sharing what I learned from my father and my mom. My dad was more textbook when it came to teaching us about money, and my mom was really, really application, like she was the one that bought the groceries and our clothes and stuff. And so I started sharing that. And before I knew it, I became the go-to girl in my my networking circle for money. How do you get people to wake up and just realize if you want to have a future, this is something that is not optional? It was a mixture of my personal life and really what was happening in the outside world. So I was always a budget and used to always really good at saving. And none of my friends cared until post-recession. Mm-hmm. When the recession hit, all of a sudden, my phone started ringing crazy. Tiffany, what was that thing you said again? Tiffany, you know. <laughs> and I thought, ah, now you want to learn how to budget. And so it was that. But then I was teaching. So after school, I'd gone to school for business but hated all my internships and realized I want to do something fun. So I became a preschool teacher. And although I was a preschool teacher. Oh, my God. I am just imagining being a three-year-old in your preschool class. <laughs> I know. It was the perfect profession, honestly, for me. Seriously. I I mean, I mean, how much fun would those kids have had? I know. We had a good time every day. I actually miss it. And so it was there that I got to really show the people around me and my friends just how budgeting your money could really lead to having more. So I was making about 
between thirty five and like thirty nine thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. But within two years, I'd say forty thousand dollars. I had bought my car in cash. I had bought a home. Okay, wait. All before the age of twenty five. So just freeze and rewind for a second. You were making thirty five to forty thousand dollars a year. Is that before or after taxes? That's before taxes. Okay, so you were taking home about thirty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And were you making extra money on the side? Um, I would babysit sometimes, and I would tutor. I would say probably an additional. Three to four thousand dollars a year, like in take home pay. Okay, so we've got about thirty four thousand dollars, and I'm being generous here in take home pay. You saved forty thousand dollars in two years. Yes, I did. How did, I was really, how did really you do that? I had a car. Okay, I had my own apartment, so it wasn't like oh, I was living home. No, this is all while living independently. My sister and I rented a home together, but I found it. Rent was eleven hundred, included everything, so that was five fifty a month. So really inexpensive. My car, I'd saved up before I moved out of my parents' house, and I bought it in cash for five thousand dollars. And so my my um my insurance was like fifty two dollars a month because I owned the car and I had re- like my driving record was clear, so my insurance was really low. So I had I had credit cards but no credit card debt, and by then I had paid off my student loan debt. I think I owed. Maybe twelve thousand dollars in total, but I paid it off because I spent one year at home getting myself ready before moving out of my parents' home after graduating college. And so, in that year, I'd done all these things so I can move out debt-free and just pay what I owed, which was really just rent, which was my highest bill. So even though I didn't make a lot, I wasn't spending a lot. At one point, I used to forget to deposit my second check because I was able to live off the first check of the month, and my dad. He used to say, you have to sign up for, for direct deposit so you don't forget, Tiffany. And so I used to save really about half my income. And within two years, I had about $40,000 saved. And I said, I, I guess I should buy a house. And so I did. Amazing. Amazing. And, and it's particularly amazing, I think, because there's so many people who make substantially more than that and still can't make ends meet, right? Still are spending more than they're bringing in, which is not what you want to do if you want to be saving additional money. All right. So let's go back to the beginning for people who are in the opposite position. They're making money. They're not saving much. They don't have an emergency fund. They aren't putting enough into their retirement accounts. Things like buying a house are just a dream. How do you get started? So I tell people there's three things you need to get started, and they all lead to you having a budget. I know people don't like the word budget. You can call it whatever you want. You can call it your money list, your financial plan. But in layman's terms, it really is just a budget. So you should just start with listing everything you're spending money on. Look at your bank statement. Um, pull out your credit card statement, and let's just really see what are you spending money on. That's step one. Step two is just how much are you spending a month on those items. So if it's your mortgage or your cell phone, you kind of know what that is, but maybe it's a haircut or maybe you get your nails done or maybe it's your water bill, which is every three months. So you'd want to take what your water bill is and divide it by three. That's how much you're spending a month. You want a monthly picture. And the third step is just a little math. You're going to add up that monthly spending list and subtract it from what your take-home pay is. So I call that the tears and tissues step 
because that's usually when you're like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'm spending twice as much as what I make. And so I see a lot of tears in tissue. But that it's really good to get that down on paper. It's the hardest part about making a budget to see the real numbers. And then after that, you can start making adjustments. But start with that, with that clear picture of where is my money going in comparison to what I'm making. Tiffany, I don't want to slow these brilliant ideas down at all, but I do want to take a breather to remind everyone that Her Money is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Fidelity is focused on helping women like all of us take charge of our financial lives. We all deserve to live the lives we've worked so hard for. So visit fidelity.com slash it's time. You'll find more conversations like this one with Tiffany Aliche, information about how to manage your money during life's biggest events and most challenging times, whether you're getting married or divorced or starting a new career. Again, that's fidelity.com slash it's time. And we are happy to be back with Tiffany Aliche. Gave me just a minute to breathe there, Tiffany. When you see people who are going through this tears and tissue step, what are their biggest budget busters? What? Where do people find, oh, my gosh, there goes my paycheck? I find that it depends. So usually people either have a I don't make enough problem or I spend too much problem. So when people don't have money, it's one of those two things. So typically I find if someone is like a school teacher or not making a whole lot of money, it's typically that they don't have a lot of extra expenses. It's the I don't make enough problem. You know, like I have to pay rent, but honestly, you know, I live in New York and rent is a lot in comparison to what I make as a teacher. But then I see the higher earners, they almost always have a I spend too much issue. So it's the eating out because it doesn't seem like much. It's only $20 here. I remember I had a, a friend, I used to call her Fancy Girl. Fancy Girl. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> she loved that, like, you right? Story. So Fancy Girl would always be late on her rent. It was maybe like 900 or $1,000 a month. And then every day I would see Fancy Girl with a cup of coffee, with a new lipstick, with cute new jeans, and I would say, Fancy Girl. And she's like, no, no, but these jeans were, you know, $80. I got them on sale, so they didn't, right. <laughs> <laughs> So there's no connection, you know, and so that's what I'm finding is that usually it's things like that. It's it's eating out, it's going out, it's hanging out, it's looking good, it's grooming. That's where the money is kind of flowing and leaving people. How do people stay motivated? Let's say you go through these first steps. You add it up and you figure out where you can either cut back to spend a little less or maybe do some babysitting or some other jobs on the side to bring in a little more so that you've got the math working in your favor. How do you get people to stick with it? And tell us about the Live Richer Challenge, because I know you helped 20,000 women got on this bandwagon with you and saved $4 million and paid down, what was it, a million dollars in debt? Mm-hmm. That was our first year. Now we're up to 200000 when We saved well over $20 million now. Wow. And that is one of the ways you stay motivated. It took me a minute to kind of figure out because what motivates me is, I mean, I'm weird. I think budgeting is fun. Every Saturday, I can't wait <laughs> to crunch my numbers. Something I'm like my dad. And so, but for people who it doesn't come naturally, one of the ways you stay motivated is, one, automation. Automation is the new discipline. So figuring out ways, whether it's automatic bill pay, whether it's some of these fun apps like a digit or a capital where it saves for you. So that's one. Two, in your budget, put some fun money. I literally have fun money. So, 
inside my budget as a line item. So that way it's not feeling like that, oh, money is just, just this taxing thing that I have to do. But, no, there's fun money. There's also I also have travel money in my budget. So I'm constantly rewarding myself for, for sticking to the plan. And three, don't do it alone. I believe everyone should have a money team. So the people on your money team, if you have kids and they're dependent on you, they're on your money team. You have a significant other. If you have an accountant, anyone that's affected by your financial choices should be on your money team. And then you might want to also add an accountability partner. They don't have to be financially savvy, but they do have to be someone who's going to hold you accountable to the goals that you both are setting forth and someone you can check in with regularly. And that's why I started the Literature Challenge, to provide all of that. So that, that everybody would have an accountability buddy. And your accountability yes. buddy has to be willing to be honest with you. I think, yes. I think your, your accountability buddy can't think that the sun shines out of your you-know-what. Because, yes. you know, if, if they think everything you do is perfect, they're not going to help you stay accountable. No, you need that. It's like, you know, you need that best girlfriend or best guy friend. You know, your real best friend who, when you step out and you're not wearing the best outfit, and they're like, what do you have on? That's the accountability. Yeah, you've got that green thing between your teeth. That is the person that you want. (laughs) Yes. And so so I started the Live Richer Challenge to provide that. So many women used to reach out to me, and I just could not possibly help them all individually. And the teacher in me said, what if I could create, like, this digital lesson plan where people could follow it? And what if the preschool teacher in me said, what if I could break it down the way I used to break down lessons for my three- and four-year-olds? because everyone's so overwhelmed, and so that's what I did. You sign up for the challenge, and then every day for a period of about a month, you get one small, super easy task to do, and that's it. And then the next day you get a different one. And so that way you're working toward this larger financial goal, but I'm breadcrumbing you to success so you're not overwhelmed by doing all things at once. And then on top of that, we have this private Facebook group where all of the rest of us, so Beyonce has the beehive, we're the dream catchers. So all of the rest of the dream catchers worldwide are there and 24 hours a day. They are there to hold you accountable, to encourage you, to say, yay, your credit score raised 40 points. I mean, if you go in that group, they pray for each other, they donate to each other, they look after each other. There's no financial question you can ask that someone in there has not been through or does not know. I mean, a woman wrote the other day, I'm leaving my husband and I'm trying to figure out what I should do financially before I do so. And I thought, wow, but so many women flooded in and gave them her advice, women who had gone through divorce, and said, this is what you need to do. And so, yeah, it's like magic, the dream catchers and the Live Richer Challenge. So where can we find it? So you can go to livericherchallenge.com, and it's completely free, and it will always be free. We love free. We're all about free. Tiffany Aliche, thank you for doing this. Thanks for being here. I am gonna I'm gonna drop in on that Dreamcatcher page and say hi to everybody as well. Oh yes, please do. They're gonna love this. I can't wait to share this with them. They're gonna be like, Oh my gosh, Tiffany, I love Jane. Oh well. <laughs> and we, we love you right back. Thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, bye bye. Bye. And Kelly is here with us in the studio. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Jean. That was a great interview. It was a really fun interview for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I was I was happy to do it. And I know you've been rounding up questions, I which have. is great. What do you have? I have two emails this week. The first is from Kate. 
and I'm really excited to talk about this because I want to hear where you stand on it. Uh oh. Yes. And also, you know, I just want to take a second and say that for those people who are listening who think that I always see these questions before you ask them of me, not always. Nope. Not always. It's so, fun for me. Okay. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Kelly's so, playing Stump the Band. Yes. So, Kate, she says, I'm a millennial with a graduate degree, a satisfying but not extremely well paying job, no debt and have over $100,000 in retirement savings. Yay. Yay. It's amazing. And she says she's a millennial. Uh, Why do I feel so guilty about the possibility of asking my parents and my partner's parents to help contribute financially towards a modest wedding? I want to be financially independent and responsible, but I also would love to benefit from family generosity. Please help me think through this guilt. Oh, boy. All mm-hmm. right. So $100,000 as a millennial is a lot of money in a retirement account, but it's not so off the charts that pulling money out of that account to pay for a wedding would be a wise move. And And just think about it this way. Any money that you pull out of that retirement account to pay for a wedding, you're going to have to pay taxes on. You're going to have to pay a penalty on because you're not of age, which means 30 to 40 cents on every single dollar could be eaten up if you were to withdraw from your retirement account. So I just want to sort of put that possibility on a back burner and advise you not to do it. As far as the guilt from your parents' perspective and your soon-to-be spouse's perspective, I am looking forward to helping to plan and helping to pay for these events in my children's life. I got to say, following my divorce, and I think I've talked about this before, I had the responsibility for paying for half of college. And I got on this very rigorous routine of putting money into 529 college savings plans. I enjoy writing those checks. I enjoy knowing that I'm doing this for my kids. And I can only imagine that I will feel similarly about paying for a wedding. And so I would just say this is going to very likely be a joy for your parents if they can afford it. I mean, it's another thing if they can't afford it and if you know that they're struggling. But if they can afford it and your spouse's parents can afford it, I think allowing them into the process of paying for this as well as allowing them to help you have the event that you want is giving them another sort of gift. And if you need a further reminder of this, I want you to go back and watch season one of the Gilmore Girls. Mm. And and I say this because I've been starting at the very beginning watching the Gilmore Girls, because if, you, if you've been on Netflix, you know that now there's a year in the life of the mm-hmm. Gilmore Girls, and I never watched the series. And so I wanted to go back and watch the series before I watched the new stuff. And I'm still in season one, although almost at the very end of it. And Emily Gilmore and her husband are are taking a lot of joy in helping pay for Rory's private school education because they are getting additional involvement in the life of their granddaughter. And so if you're looking for a little bit of extra oomph, I would say give that a watch. Just a quick story from my end. I remember it was a long time ago, maybe in high school, I asked my dad or my parents 
if they had a separate fund that they were saving or putting money in for my wedding someday because it was around that time where I learned like that's the norm like the daughter's parents are supposed to pay for the wedding right Mm -hmm. that's something that's something we've been spoon-fed and he just looked at me and started laughing in my face so (laughs) well and he maybe was watching and clearly I am too much a child of television but do you remember that friends episode where Monica discovers that her parents took her wedding fund and used it to redo a bedroom or something I wonder if that's what sparked my question too is this idea of a wedding fund or parents having one right right so um I don't have a wedding fund okay by the way but I will if I know that it's coming I will will open an automatic savings account and start funding it much as I do for every goal just to make that something that we can um, easily afford in the future. Sorry, Dad. I know you want to walk me down the aisle someday. I don't mean to throw him under the bus by any means. No, that's okay. And by the way, you know, it's not just the daughter's family who often chips in these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's routine for everybody to contribute, the the bride and the groom, as well as the groom's parents and the bride's parents. Just yeah, putting that involved. out there. Everyone it's expensive, it's so, so everybody expensive. gets involved. Okay. And our next question is from Jeannie. I just found out my husband has maxed out his credit card. He owes more than $10,000 in credit card debt, which means we owe more than $10,000 in credit card debt. He also has other debt in the form of student loans. We just refinanced, but now he wants to do so again to take care of his credit card debt. He works for himself, so his income varies. I'm not sure refinancing again is a great idea, but more than that, I don't know how to trust him moving forward. So I need help moving forward on this debt quickly, but I also need advice on how to rebuild that trust. This credit card debt issue destabilizes our family. Thanks for any help you can provide. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's tackle this one piece by piece. Um, Jeannie, I'm with you on the refi. I would not do it again right now. I don't want to see you literally pulling the rug out from under you, destabilizing your foundation more than it's already destabilized. And I say this because I know that a lot of people who refi and use that money to pay off credit card debt then go back and charge the credit cards back up. And until you know that your husband will not be doing that, and you don't know that at this point because that trust is not there, I wouldn't pull any more money out of the house. I would perhaps look to move it to a a cheaper credit card, to a zero balance credit card where you could make headway on this. But that's not the real problem. The real problem is he did this without telling you. There is a lot of infidelity of a sort in the fact that this has happened. You need to rebuild that trust in order to secure your marriage for the future. Because one thing that we do know, and this is, again, research-based, is that couples who accrue a lot of debt together are much more likely to get divorced. And so I want once-a-week conversations in a neutral place about where this came from. Why did this happen? And not just how did this happen, because how is... How is not as important as why? Why did it happen? Why was it done surreptitiously? What was going on in your husband's life that he, A, felt the need to spend this money, and B, felt the need to hide it from you? And if you can't get at that by yourself, 
then you got to bring a professional into the equation. A financial planner who's very compassionate can do this job. A therapist who specializes in couples is by nature these days, a therapist who specializes in money. You've got to get to a point where you can talk openly and honestly about the flow of funds. And tactically, um, you also need to start paying more attention to the bills as they come in so that you can watch where the money is going. Because only once you're able to keep a day-to-day eye on it and know that it's not moving around in ways that you didn't expect will the level of trust come back. This is not something that is irrecoverable. If you love your husband, you can absolutely get past this, but it will take some effort on both of your parts in order to do it. So those weekly conversations, tracking and following the money, and an expert if you feel like you need additional help. Excellent. Thank you, Jean. Sure. Thanks so much. Well, it is officially 2017, so this week's Thrive is a roundup of the best apps and the best tools that can help you accomplish your financial goals this year. First on the list, Digit. I believe, and if you're a regular listener to this show, you know this already, I believe that the best way to save is to do it automatically. And I think Digit is one of the best apps out there to help you do just that. First, it analyzes your spending patterns. Then it dips into your bank account every few days and silently socks away small amounts. Those of you who are regular listeners know Hayden is a member of our team. Hayden has saved hundreds. She may be bordering on thousands of dollars using Digit. Number two, Remedy. Close to 80% of medical bills contain errors, and Remedy's aim is to analyze your medical bills for mistakes. If they find an incorrect bill, they'll act as the go-between and dispute the charge for you. The company says it saves the average family $1,000 a year. It'll cost you 20% of what they save you up to $99, but if the bill is correct, there is no charge. Number three, debitize. Sometimes spending less than you earn is easier said than done, but the app Debitize helps you think of money spent on a credit card as money already gone. Every time you buy something, it automatically withdraws the funds to cover that charge, and then it pays your credit card bill on your behalf. And finally... Clarity Money, which is coming your way shortly. This app is a jack of all trades for money management, negotiating your bills through BillShark, showing your subscriptions and offering to cancel unwanted ones, tracking your spending, displaying your accounts and card balances, and offering free access to your credit score. We got an early peak last year, and I just want to say we were impressed. Okay, if you're looking to save more in 2017, here's our recap. Try Digit for negotiating medical bills. Look to Remedy for keeping a grip on your credit card spending. Debitize and for a new take on money management, check out Clarity Money. Those are all apps I know would make our guest on this show, Tiffany Aliche, very, very happy. A big thank you to her for dropping by and spending a little bit of time with us today. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Fidelity. Our music is provided by Track Tribe. Our show comes to you through PRX. 
And if you are struggling with the concept of work-life balance, and I know we all are, at least from time to time, make sure you listen to next week's podcast. Samantha Edis has a new book on the topic. It's called The Pie Life. Her tips are wonderful, and she's really helping me get rid of the guilt. We'll talk soon.